You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Well, grab your Bibles if you have them there, or your technology, whatever you might be utilizing. Look with me to the book of James, kind of toward the end of the New Testament. The book of James, chapter 3. How many of you would say this morning, here's a question for you. How many of you would say this morning that your mouth has got you into trouble in the past? Come on, if you're not raising your hand, you're living deceived. Your mouth, our mouths get us what? They get us in trouble. You know, here's the problem. It creates a lot of problems in our lives. It manifests in a lot of different ways. But here's the crux of the problem. We open our mouths before we engage our brain. Right? And when that happens, well, it's bad, right? When you open your mouth before you engage your brain. Now, I think we've, we've all been in places and had experiences where we wish somehow, someway, we could grab our words and somehow stick them back in our mouths. But how I many know that's not possible? I mean, that's like trying to get toothpaste back into the tube. How I many of you know when you squeeze it out, it's out, right? You ever try to put it back? Listen, you can. It doesn't work. So it is with our words. When our words are spoken, it's not like we can, we can retrieve them. And we've all experienced the reality of, of seeing the life that we give to others through the words that we speak. If you say something that's affirming or you applaud someone, you compliment someone. It, listen, literally, you can see the countenance in their face change. You can see life come to them through the words the words that you speak. You've also seen the reality of what happens when you speak words that cut, words that hurt, words that injure. It's like you can see someone, it's almost like they wilt. So your words would give life or your, your words give death. You've seen the reality. No, on the other side of the coin, you've been on the, you've been the recipient of, right? You've been the recipient of someone speaking something to you that was so life-giving. And all of a sudden you feel what? You feel energized. What? Because of the life that was given. But you've also been the recipient of a word that cut right to the heart. To a word that, if you will, like sucked the life out of you. I mean, we've had had both of those experiences. You know, there's no way around it this morning. Words are powerful. What we do with the 26 letters of the alphabet can be... can be for good or they can be for bad. It really comes down to our choice. And that's why we want to spend the next two weeks talking about this, my big fat mouth. How many of you have ever said, boy, my big fat mouth just got me into trouble? Yeah. Not only have I said it, I experience it. I experience it quite often. Listen, it's our mouth and the words we speak that can injure others. It's our mouth and the words that come out of our mouth that can limit others rather than lift others. It's our mouth and the words that we speak that has the power to bring life or death. This is what I'm confident of today. That everyone in the room could have better relationships. If you're married, you can have a better marriage. If you're a parent, you can be a better parent. If we could just control our big fat mouth. That one adjustment could be a game changer, a difference maker. You have better relationships, better marriage. You'd be a better parent if you could just control that little three-inch muscle 
that's in your mouth. A big fat mouth. In 1866, going back in time a bit, 1866, just two years after his younger brother died in an accidental blast of nitroglycerin, Alfred Noble, a young man fueled by his near obsession to do so, discovered a way in which he could combine nitroglycerin with, um, with other chemicals that stabilize the nitroglycerin. Um, and it actually then became this great tool for power. Um, as he discovered this, um, what we call dynamite today, it became so useful. I mean, this was in the time of development. So think about 1866 forward. Think about roads being built. Thinking, think about mountains that needed to be moved. I mean, there was great progress that happened because now they could take this, this nitroglycerin and use it in a way like to move dirt, to move mountains, to build roads. So it was, it brought about great progress in this time frame. However, the other side of the coin was if the dynamite ended up in the hands of the wrong people, it could be dangerous. Actually, it became uh, very destructive in the hands of the wrong people. Through that war, there were, there were a lot of lives that, that were taken. So the invention of dynamite by Alfred Noble was both good and bad. It, it opened the way for progress and development, but it also opened the way for destruction and death. Sounds a little bit like our tongue, doesn't it? I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this, but you have dynamite in your dentures. <laughs> Think about that. Dynamite in your dentures. Like dynamite, but it can be used for good or it can be used for harm. It can be constructive or it can be destructive. Looking there to your notes, words carry enormous power. The power to heal, the power to wound, the power to encourage or the power to dishearten. The power to speak truth or to deceive. The power to praise or to criticize. They can be the key to our success or the reason for our downfall. It all depends on how we use the words that we speak. See, our goal, I believe our goal as Christ followers should be to make Jesus the Lord of our lips. And if Jesus is the Lord of your lips, He'll be the Lord of your life. Will Jesus be Lord of my lips? See, if Jesus is the Lord of our lips, then we become individuals who have the ability to give life to others. In Proverbs 18.21, there's a powerful passage of Scripture, and I actually have it in the message paraphrase, because I like the way it reads in the message paraphrase. It's on the screen, so let's read this together. Would you read this with me? Words kill or words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Let's read it one more time. Words kill or words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So make that personal this morning. Think about your words. Think about your mouth. Notice what the proverb says. If we get it back up there. We went one too far. Your words kill or your words give life. You choose. Notice he says... Your words are like poison or they're like a delightful fruit. You get to choose. What are you going to do with your mouth? That's why I say you have, you have dynamite in your dentures. You have that which can be productive or you have that which can be destructive. It all depends on how you use words. Pastor Robert Morrison, his book, The Power of Words, which is a great book I would highly recommend, 
made this statement. He says, your words are either building bridges or blowing them up. It's, it's one or the other because words more than anything else connect us to God and connect us to each other. So what words connect? They're either building bridges or, or destroying bridges. So we want to be those who, who train ourselves to use words in a constructive, healthy way that brings life for others. So, so let's look to what James has to say here about, about our tongue, about our mouth, about the words that come out of our mouth. James chapter 3, beginning with verse 3, the text is on the screen, or if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. It says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, we make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I mean, you know what bits are. Like a bridle with a bit that goes into the the mouth of a horse. That's what James is talking about. He says, your tongue is like the bit in the mouth of a horse. He goes on in verse 4 to say, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large, they're driven by strong winds. They're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force to set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. It is itself set on fire by hell. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are, are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Well, James, James doesn't miss, mince words when he talks here about the power of a tongue. He gives us some pretty vivid word pictures as to how this small part of our body can so affect not only our lives, but the lives of others. He talks here, he gives us in these vivid word pictures, he gives us some statements about the power of the tongue, the power of your tongue. First statement is found in James 3, 3 and 4. Your tongue is powerful in that it can direct the course of your life. Notice he says your tongue is like the bit in a horse's mouth. Or it's like a, a rudder on a ship. So think about that. And you take a bridle and you put it on a horse. A horse that's much stronger, much heavier, has more power than yourself. You take this little piece of metal and you put it in the horse's mouth that's attached to the bridle and you get on the horse and if you pull the reins to the right the horse goes what if he's a good horse if you pull the reins to the left he does what he goes left you pull back on the bit the horse stops what you control the horse through the bit james says your tongue's the same way the power of your tongue is that, is that it can direct the course of your life. And then he, he has this word picture for us. He says, your tongue is like the rudder on a ship. So think about a ship. Think about present day ships. We're talking tons and tons and tons of steel. Yet that big ship, even in the midst of the winds, is directed by a small rudder. 
The power of your tongue, James says, is it can direct the course of your life. It can determine where you're at and, and where you're going. Secondly, as we think about the power of the tongue, James says that it can damage your life and it can damage others. Again, that little three-inch muscle can bring huge damage. In verse 5 and 6, James says, Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among other parts of the body. And maybe you know it only takes a small spark to create a devastating fire. Right? I mean, especially in the summertime when you're, when you're watching the news and you see the fires out west, more so out west than here, but because of the... Uh, of the, how dry it is out west, you get a, a little match or you get a bolt of lightning, you get a little spark, and before you know it, hundreds, thousands of acres have been destroyed. Millions, billions of dollars of damage created by one little spark. Not only do we have the pre- present damage, but we also have then the recovery. I, I don't know if you would be aware of this, but did you know that if a forest is is burned, it takes 11 years just for the recovery of that forest. Wow. The damage. The damage that comes by one little spark. The damage that can be created in just a few seconds of time by misspoken words, by the misuse of your tongue. I want you to watch this little movie clip. It comes to us from... A movie called The Pursuit of Happiness. And in this little clip, you're going to see and you're going to actually feel the damage that can come through words. Let's watch this clip. I'm going broke! Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, you'll probably be about as good as I was. That's kind of the way it works, you know, and I, I, I was below average, you know, so, whoa. So you'll probably ultimately rank somewhere around there, you know, so I really, you'll excel at a lot of things, just not this. I don't want you out here shooting this ball around all day and night, all right? All right. Okay? All right, go ahead. somebody tell you you can't do something not even me all right all right you got a dream you got to protect it people can't do something themselves they want to tell you you can't do it you want something go get it Period. So here's a young boy who has big dreams in a matter of 10 seconds. His dad, played by, by Will Smith, crushes his dream with misspoken words. You see the devastating effect. And, 
And then Wilt, he realizes what he's done and he, and he tries to recover. Yet we, we saw within that little clip how little boy was devastated. Like life went out of him. I mean, that's why words are so powerful. They can, they can bring damage. And listen, it doesn't take long. Five seconds, six seconds, and ten seconds. Man, stuff can come out of your mouth and it can be so damaging to your marriage, to your family member, to your friends. Your words are powerful and, and that they can damage your life and damage others. Not only that, but the tongue is powerful and that it can, ter- it can det- determine the life that you'll experience. Not only will it direct the course of your life, but it actually shapes what you experience in life. If you look that, back to verse 9, James states, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Listen, if you choose to use your tongue to worship and honor God, this is going to open your lives to the fullness of all that God has for you. If you choose to use your tongue to curse others, not so much I'm talking about, I'm not so much talking about foul language, but I'm talking about cursing others, attacking others, hurting others. If you use your tongue to do that, then you're setting yourselves up for trouble and heartache. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul wrote these words. And do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, it's that that he'll reap. What you sow is what you'll reap. So let's take that and apply it to the words that you speak. If you sow cursing, you're going to reap what? The answer is cursing, so I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you again. Get on board with me. If you sow cursing, what are you going to reap? Cursing. cursing, because the Scripture says what we reap what we sow. If you sow blessing, what are you going to reap? Blessing. So let me ask you a really simple question. Do you want cursing or blessing in your life? Blessing. Absolutely, every time we want blessing. So you reap what you sow. So your words, words are powerful. It can determine the very life you'll experience. In the few minutes I have left this morning, I want to share with you three lies of the tongue. We're talking about the power of the tongue. And these are lies that I think we've come to believe. We've come to normalize within our culture today. So I want to confront these three lies. Here's the first one. You have the right of free speech. Some of you are cringing a bit right now because you're saying, but I'm an American. Surely I have the right of free speech. And I hate to be the one to tell you this, but no, you don't. You don't have the right of free speech. Now, before you call me un-American, I understand, I know, First Amendment, freedom of speech that we have within our nation. I tell you, I'm grateful that I'm blessed to be born in a nation where I have freedom of speech. And in other words, the government can't tell me what I can say and what I can't say. I'm grateful for that. But listen, not only are you a citizen of the United States of America, but if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a citizen of another kingdom. It's called God's kingdom. So if you can think of it like this, maybe this is new terminology for you, but if you can think of it like this, you have dual citizenship. Dual citizenship. You're a citizen of the United States of America, this country that we're blessed 
to live in, but you're also citizens of another kingdom. Paul writes about this, that our citizenship is in heaven. So we're living now as citizens of the United States of America, while we're also citizens of the kingdom one day that we'll experience reality as we're present with Jesus. And in God's, just as there's laws that govern the, the United States of America that directs us as citizens of this country, so there's laws and principles in God's kingdom. And according to the principles and laws of God's kingdom, you do not have freedom of speech. In other words, you can't say whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want it, and not be held accountable for that. Matter of fact, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said that you will have to give an account for every word that comes out of your mouth. You don't have you don't have freedom of speech that gives you the freedom just to go and throw up on somebody because you feel like it. You don't have that freedom as a follower of Christ. In Psalm 141, verse 3, the psalmist wrote these words, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And that would be a great scripture to memorize, a great scripture to post on your, on your mirror that you see in the morning. Listen, it would be a great scripture to pray every day before you go into your day. God set a guard over my big, fat mouth. Why? Because of the power that we hold in our tongue. God, help us to guard. So, so listen, you, you do not have freedom of speech. Can, you can't say whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. It's interesting in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, the scripture talks about seven things that God hates. So, well, actually, it reads like this. There's six things that God hates and seven that are an abomination to him or detestable to him. How many of you know if these if these are things that God hates, don't you think we should be aware of them? Like if God hates it, like I would like to know what it is, like so I'm not a part of that. So let's look at the list. Look, let's look at the list of seven. Here they are. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. From this list of seven things God hates, three of them are sins of the mouth. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. But of the seven things that God says, these are detestable. These are the things I hate. Three of them. Three of them are sins of the tongue, sins of the mouth. So listen, here's why, number one, you have freedom of speech. And I'm here today to tell you, no, you don't. You're going to have to give an account to God for the words that you speak. Here's the second line. If you're just kidding, it doesn't count. I can say whatever I want. I can jab someone with a word. I can cut them with a word. I can cut them down. I can insult them. And then if I say, if I kind of throw in this phrase, oh, I'm I'm just kidding that everything is okay. And it's not. You can't, you, listen, you can't just say, well, hey, I'm, I'm kidding. And like it, it, it solves the problem. In Proverbs 26, verse 18 and 19, listen to what Solomon wrote. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows in, in death, is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, 
I was only joking. Listen, to use words recklessly and dishonestly, then appeal to the I was just kidding defense is like throwing a red hot iron, shooting arrows, flinging death at others. Imagine this. Imagine there's a, you have a friend or, or, or someone who's an acquaintance, and, and one day they show up at your house. You're sitting on the couch watching TV, and they just show up at your house. They come into your home, and they have a deer hunting bow, and they start flinging arrows, and they actually shoot you in the leg with one of the arrows. How many of you would feel like violation? Like you'd be saying, hey, what are you doing? You're crazy. You could have killed me. And then that individual who just shot you with an arrow said, Hey, I was just kidding. Lighten up. Where's your sense of humor? How many of you know that wouldn't fly? Solomon says that's what it's like. When we attack someone with our words, when we belittle someone, when we insult someone, when we give them a little jab, we say, Oh, I'm just kidding. And think that it doesn't injure, to think that it doesn't hurt. And we're, we're, we're deceiving ourselves. It's in hurtful words, pierce people. They go down deep into their souls. You can't undo the damage by saying, I was just joking. It's a lie. It's deception. Here's a third lie. Once you've forgotten your words, their influence is gone. In other words, once someone who said something to you has forgotten what they said, that no longer has influence in your life. So what we want to do this morning, we want to put this lie to the test. Here's the question for you this morning. Just think about this as as I read this question. How many of you would say someone said something to you that was hurtful or damaging to you when you were in in your teens in your teenage years, and you still remember that today. Don't, don't raise your hand. Just think about that for a minute. I know for some of us, this is taking us way back. Okay? Your teenage years. But how many of you would remember something that someone said to you that was damaging, that was hurtful in your teenage years, and you still remember that statement, that word, that jab to this present day? Keep your hands up really high. Look around the room. Look around the room at hands raised. Amazing. Hey, words, words though they may be forgotten by the one who spoke them. Man, their influence can torment other people for years, can limit other people for years. Hey, words, words are not like just you speak them and they're gone. Listen, words echo throughout eternity. They have lasting repercussions. In Proverbs 15, verse 4, the scripture says the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Listen, don't have a deceitful tongue that crushes the spirit of others. Don't think you can just say something and you forget it and it's over and done and finished. No. Man, words can so so settle into someone's life for the good or for the bad. That, that there's this lasting influence. Pastor Robert Morris again wrote the following. Jesus said that, that you and I are going to have to give an account for the words we speak. Satan, the father of lies, tells us just the opposite, that words evaporate. They just go out into the air and they dissolve into nothingness. Listen, folks, your words don't just evaporate. 
They have ongoing, lasting effect, either for good or for bad, for constructive ways or, or, or in destructive ways. So choose to give life and choose to use your words in a positive way to impact others. Their words have power. So we want to, we want to use our words in, in such a way that it, that it honors God and it builds others up. I want to leave you this morning with a story that I read some years ago that illustrates the power of words. Sometime back there was a, a seminary professor who was vacationing with his wife in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, kind of trying to get away from the pressure of work and so they chose Gatlinburg, Tennessee to go and hang out. One morning they were at a little small breakfast diner, just wanting to have a quiet meal together. And they ordered their food, waiting on their food. And they noticed that there was this distinguished gray-haired gentleman who was kind of walking around the restaurant to every table, having conversation. And the professor leaned over to his wife and says, I sure hope he doesn't come to our table. Um, but sure enough, he did. After time, he kind of ambled over to their table, didn't just come over the table, pulled up a chair and sat down uninvited. And this gray-haired gentleman said, hey, where are y'all folks from? And they said, Oklahoma. He said, oh, great to have you here in Tennessee. Glad that you would come here and, and um, enjoy some time away on vacation. He said, what do, what do you do for, for work? And the, the professor says, well, I, I teach at a seminary. He says, oh, so you're a preacher who teaches other preachers how to preach. He said, yeah, that's kind of what I do. And he said, well, I have a great story to tell you. And he began to, to tell this story. He pointed out the restaurant window. So see that mountain over there at the base of that mountain? It was a boy that was born to a poor, unwed mother. Had a hard time growing up because every place, every place he went, he was always asked the same question. Hey, boy, who's your daddy? See, the identity of the illegitimate child's father was a mystery to the town gossips who were trying to constantly sob like, I wonder who the boy's dad is. And that's small town stuff. That's kind of the way it happens in small town. Everybody trying to figure out. So whether he was at school or at the grocery store, people would ask him the same old question. Who's your daddy, son? Sometimes the question came in innocently from a stranger. Most of the time, though, it was individuals who were trying to intimidate him or or to hurt him. They're asking the question out of meanness. He hated that question. Who's your daddy? At recess, school, he would actually kind of separate himself from the kids. Because again, it was that same question. Lunchtime, he would eat lunch alone. Because he didn't want to deal with the question. He went to church every Sunday. But his kind of mode of operation as it came to church is he would come late. And he would leave early. That way he didn't have to deal with the stairs, or again, the question, son, who's your daddy? Well, when he was 12 years old, about 12, he said, this, this boy and at the church where he went, we got a new pastor. said, on the particular Sunday, not used to kind of the new structure, the pastor had a quick benediction, and he didn't get out of the church before everyone else, so he had to go out with the crowd. And so this young boy makes his way out the door, and the new preacher puts his hand on the boy's shoulder and says, Hey, son, who's your daddy? The boy face turned red. The pastor could tell he was embarrassed until he, he created an awkward situation. And so he, he, he again, as well, prompted by the Holy Spirit, he, he kind of backed up and said, Oh, 
I know exactly who, son, you are. I can see the resemblance in your face. Son, you are a child of God. And as, as he's telling the story, he said, well, that little boy a big smile. Huge smile came across the boy's face. The change of his countenance, I mean, it was so evident. And that preacher took it, both hands, put on the boy's shoulder, looked him straight in the eye and said, son, you have a great inheritance. Go claim it. Go live it. It was a a day that forever changed the life of that little boy because from that point forward, every time someone would ask him, son, who's your daddy? He would say, my daddy's God. I'm a child of God. We say it with great pride. It was a, it was a defining point. It was a, it was a turning point in his life. The man finished the story. He got up from the table. That was a great story, wasn't it? He began to walk away and he, and he turned, he had one final comment. He says, you know, if that pastor hadn't told me that I was one of God's children, I probably would never amounted to anything. He walked away. A seminary professor and his wife, they were stunned. They were so moved by this, this man's story. So they called the waitress over and said, hey, that man that's walking around said, do you happen to know who he is? And he just told us this amazing story about his life. Said, do you know who he, who he is? And the waitress grinned and said, well, of course, everybody knows him. That's Ben Hooper, the former governor of the state of Tennessee. It was one statement from a man's life to a boy's life. That changed the direction of his life. He went from being an illegitimate born child of a poor, unwed mother to becoming the governor of the state of Tennessee. The power of words. The power of the words that you speak. The power of the mouth. That's why we want to be those who use our words to honor God and to give Life to others. How many of you know we need help to do that? Come on. We need help. God set a guard before our big fat mouth, right? Help us. Help us to use our words in a way that it builds our mates, that it builds our children, that it builds family members, that it builds our peers. May we be those who give life. That give life to others you pray with me. Lord, I thank you this morning for the instruction of your word. Lord, what I know this morning, that's true for everybody here that's breathing. If they're breathing, Lord, they need this. They need help with their big fat mouth. I need help with my big fat mouth. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're our coach. You're the one who convicts and directs. You're the one who helps us, who refines us. The Holy Spirit, we ask today that you help us with our big fat mouth. Help us to engage our brain before we open our mouths. Help us to engage our brain before we speak those words. Because, Lord, words do have power. Power to heal or power to hurt. Power to give life or power to give death. The Holy Spirit, we're asking today really simple that you would help us with our big fat mouth Holy Spirit continue to renew within us to continue to regenerate within us so that we can be those who give life through the words we speak to others 
I pray that for everyone in the room today, including myself. In Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. 